All right, welcome to the latest episode of the Columbia Basin Conservative Institute podcast. I'm very pleased to welcome Brian Haywood to the show. Uh, Brian is with Let's Go Washington, an organization that is uh, working to pass several initiatives and get gather enough signatures and help get those on the ballot next November. So, uh, Brian, thanks for so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. So, first off, uh, before we get into the initiatives themselves and the overall process, um, you've turned in signatures for three of the six initiatives as of this recording. Your website, I believe, shows that you're about 97% of your goal as of December 13th um, towards meeting the overall signature gathering goal. What can you tell us about the other three? What are the prospects without, you know, without giving us any spoilers, but how's it looking? Uh, um, they're all, they're all within striking distance. Um, and and I, that's probably something that uh, you'd expect me to say, because if I said anything else, people would be discouraged. Sure. Um, but uh, we're well within, with the, with the pace we're at, there should be no problem to clear the hurdle. And, and the hurdle really is the first hurdle is about, Roughly 325,000 signatures are needed for each initiative. Yep. Uh, but the the Secretary of State encourages you to have, you know, 15 to 15% more. Uh, my goal has been to turn in, if I can get to 420, um, when I run my models, I don't have any problem clearing the hurdle at 420. <clears throat> so it's it's a, a safe zone is 400, a super safe zone is 405, a super, super safe zone is 420. That's kind of how I've looked at it. Yeah, and it, it, uh, I heard you discussing that you, you've already kind of done some of your self-data validation. So it sounds like that's turning up pretty good. So you're That's right. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're using AI. So uh, that's a sort of a stricter standard because AI is uh, critical of everything, I guess. Um, things that a human might go, oh, okay, that's okay. AI says, well, no, doesn't follow the rule or whatever. I mean, it's it's not perfect AI yet, so I guess it's... It's partial AI or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but but when we've done a hand count versus our AI, uh, I find our AI gives me a stricter standard. So if my stricter standard of AI passes, uh, I don't have any concerns that we'll get through it. The other the other thing that we've done, um, this might be well, I, well, I'm jumping ahead of the ahead of the cart here, but we also ran once we once we scanned everything and ran it against the voter database, we then ran it on a sort of an anonymitized. Um, scan against voter id right so hard democrats soft democrats etc and on average we're about 54 percent independents and democrats and about 46 percent uh republicans so um so these aren't just maga extremists no no or... no no yeah that's right um I, I they'd like to paint it that way jay Inslee's on the news you know s s claiming that i my my hate-filled maga uh, extremism won't be allowed and tolerated in his state and uh, the arrogance of King King Jay. I don't, I'm not sure, but uh, it's not. It's it's people are pissed off at the arrogance of the hateful Jay Inslee. So I yep. say that with quotation marks. Yeah. <laughs> well, so before we get into the specifics of the initiatives and, and a little more, a little more about them, I'm also, I'm also just curious. Because you could be doing a lot of other things with your time, exactly. not just Christmas and money, shopping. and money, and, and money. No, absolutely that. Uh, I, very busy, busy guy. Like we talked about, you know, Christmas. You could be doing a lot of other things. So, I, you know, I'm I'm just curious. How did you get into this? What what what's a bit about your background and and uh, why you know why put your time and money here? What, what's, uh, <laughs> it's a question. Uh, my my friends and wife ask me uh, quite frequently. <laughs> um, 
so I, I my background is uh, I run a a long term investment fund in Japan. I invest in Japanese equities. Uh, several years ago, uh, we took the music company Roland, which is a Japanese company. We took them private, and I went on the board of that company, and we sort of helped get them uh, turned around. And uh, they they in the eighties they were. They were the if, if the if the, if there's a cool song you like from the eighties, it was probably on a Roland. If it's kind of a sucky song, it was probably a Yamaha. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but uh, we we that's in line kind of with what my my fund does. We we take a big position in Japanese companies, and in a friendly uh, but firm way, we'll go in and talk with management. And try to get good companies to be better or great companies. Yeah, um, and that's um, consistent with what I've done in my life. When I was nineteen, I took uh, well. So let me back up a little further. Uh, Harvard apparently has a redneck poor Mormon kid uh, quota that they do like one a year, one every two years, or something like that. And I, I made the quota. Yeah, congrats. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. Um, now I'm not so proud of it with the current uh, president besmirching the entire institution. But um, uh, but that sort of set my life on an interesting course. Uh, I was studying Russian and Soviet studies my freshman year. And this was back in 1985 when we were in the middle of the Cold War and I felt like the United States needed someone who understood at then our primary enemy, which was the Soviet Union, that someone needed to be able to speak the language. And my calculation was that McCarthyism had sort of chased off serious intellectuals from from learning Russian because it was a scary place. And it was time for someone to do that. So I, I, I was, and I was fascinated. I've always been fascinated by the danger of communism and, and sort of totalitarian control. So 19 like some some teacher in in or actually a librarian back when i was in junior high uh put 1984 in my hands and then followed that up quickly with brave new world and i was i was sold uh i didn't find uh, atlas shrugged until much later um but that sort of that got that sort of piqued my political interest but i found that what i really liked doing was business i liked uh and when i say business that's such a broad term but I, you know you you discover what you're good at, sometimes not until you're 50. Uh, and I found out that I'm particularly good at helping and influencing uh, Japanese management make good decisions. That seems to be my, my particular skill. Uh, and, and so I've been doing that for, the, for a while. Um, but we moved. Um, I, I lived in Japan for quite some time. Well, let me, I skipped the part about Japan. Uh, why Japan? I, my, after my freshman year, I mentioned before that I'm LDS. Uh, I went on a, I, you know, you raise your hand, I'll go on a mission, and then they send you someplace, and you hope it's not, uh, not Kansas or whatever. But um, <laughs> no offense to Kansas, um, but they they send you wherever, and I got sent to Osaka, Japan, and so I dropped and forgot all my Russian, uh, began studying Japanese, and. Uh, uh, then Osaka has a particular dialect, which is, uh, I thought I'd learned Japanese and then I got off the plane in Osaka and I had to learn a whole new dialect. 
uh, but it was a fascinating experience. And um, it, it just, I don't even, I can't even begin to list the things that it taught me, right? You go, first of all, you knock on doors in, in a Buddhist country selling Christianity. And that like, that, like when they wake up in the morning, they're like, gosh, you know, it'd be really great as if I'm, if a, a Christian missionary would knock on my door. That would be fantastic. Like that didn't happen. Uh, it did happen one time. One guy told me he'd been looking for one, right? But that wow. was out of, I figure I probably knocked 80,000 doors, right? During that time. Um, so I got a lot of no thank yous and and uh, not interested and um, et cetera, et cetera. So you learn to take an enormous amount of rejection and not take it personal. Um Came back to school and changed my major to East Asian studies. And then uh, my junior year I spent actually in Japan uh, studying in Kyoto. Wow. Uh, and then I wrote my senior thesis on uh, Japan has a group of untouchables that nobody talks about. They're, they're mm -hmm. also the sort of the unspeakables. Um, and it was very fascinating because they've got a group of, uh, they're, they're called the, now the, the, Politically correct word is Doha. They were called the Brakumin, which means which means the village people, right? So, um, I don't, I don't had nothing to do Not with the, band, with yeah. the uh, yeah, 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 nothing to do with great music from the seventies. But um, uh, they were essentially discriminated because of their jobs, right? They did things that were considered richly unclean. They, they, the butchers are considered uh, unclean. Anyone that cleans a, a or designs a cemetery would be in that that rank uh and so they were given this um they sort of they were given this interesting place in society they were at the bottom of the rung but society would give them monopolies on certain occupations and so you would have deep abject poverty and some real huge wealth within the community uh, but but systemically they were given the worst status like sort of below human status and it was, I know this isn't the focus of the podcast, but, but it was really fascinating to me because, um, you know, you look at the United States, uh, discrimination is, is often based on amount of melanin in someone's skin. Uh, in India, it was based on a caste system that was very stratified and rigid. In Japan, where you look at people, you listen to them, there's no way to tell the difference, right? It, it was just this sort of this shocking in a way, it was a shocking confirmation that humankind, left to its worst devices, will discriminate no matter what. It'll find a way. If everybody looks the same and talks the same, it'll find a way to discriminate, right? And, and that was sort of an eye-opening learning because it, it coincided with something else that I found in Japan, and that was, uh, even though this was a culturally significantly different country that, I mean, just a small town Arizona to... to uh, to Osaka, Japan, you, you almost can't get further apart culturally. Um, I would meet people and I would think, God, that's just like my mom's friend. Or, you know, there, there would be people that people are people. Uh, let's go tears for fears for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they were just, it, it was just, it was, a, that also, it was, a, it shouldn't have been surprising to me, but coming from Arizona, it was surprising that, that the world over, even though there are cultural differences, People are really similar and have the same desires and want their kids to be successful and, you know, safety is important, et cetera. So 
I was going to say natural progression to running initiatives in Washington State. So far, I feel like you've got <laughs> exactly. a pretty, you know, clear point A to point B story. <laughs> Nothing surprising. <laughs> Nothing surprising. No, and I, um, and, and we, we like to have our guests do most of the talking because that's just uh you know more. Yeah. You're more doing you're doing us a favor here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So please, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a fascinating background, and I mean, obviously, you've learned a lot about human nature. And uh, so I think that very perfectly uh, aligns with uh, an, an interest in politics, because what is politics, but the, the study of people and how we interact. So, um, but yeah, on, on the initiatives, I do want to rewind to 2022 and ask you, uh, you know, let's, let's go Washington ran 11 initiatives, none of which were successful. Yet this year, as we mentioned, you're already three for six, and you're looking at least promising and within striking distance, as you said, on the others. Wondering, like, what do you attribute the change in success to? It, I'm sure there were some lessons learned, and it's not just a monocausal explanation, but um, is it really that these issues are just ticking people off to another level that they weren't last year? Um, and I'm sure you're better organized and, you know, better funded and, you know, more mentioned using AI and all that. So, um is it a conglomeration of all these different things or what would you attribute the success this year that you didn't see last year? Well, I, first I would, I wouldn't say they weren't successful last year. They didn't qualify, yeah. but in the Edison model of, I, I learned, uh, let's say 1.1 million signature reasons why I didn't succeed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I needed last year with 11, I needed like 4.4 million signatures to, to get them all qualified. Uh, I learned a lot. And one of the big things I learned is that the just a, a pure volunteer effort, because that's what we tried to do last year was pure volunteer. Um, and 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 even backing up a little bit, the whole idea of this part of it was these high priced consultants would come into Washington and they would be charging these astounding amounts of money, sometimes eight, 10, 12, maybe even as much as $20 million to get one initiative passed. And if you look at the Republican paltry spending on its own governor candidate, you know, it, it does maybe $3 million, you know, a year. Um, one, of, one initiative would blow out three, four, five, six years of, of governor candidates, right, in terms of just sheer spending. And it seemed uh, incredibly stupid to me that we were spending that much money uh, and not necessarily getting anything for it, really, because it's taken last five years, right, nothing. Um, so I set about to perhaps challenge and change the process last year. And we did 11 because, well, it can go all the way to 11, right? With a little bit of spinal tap in there. Yeah. Um, we started out like five, six, seven, and there were, there were, there was like this, this unending list of stupid things that the legislature had done. And so we just kind of kept adding to the list. And, and part of what I found is that doing more than one is cheaper than doing one. Because, uh, right, I mean, the, on a per, per signature basis, absolutely much, much cheaper. Um, so, so that was, and, and part of what we discovered, you know, like you put 11 signatures, 11 initiatives out in front of people, that's a long time, right? I'm, I'm like, I look back and I go, man, I was smoking crack doing that, right? <laughs> um, I, I don't really, I didn't. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm Mormon, so Figured I don't do speech. that. <laughs> yeah, but some, someone somewhere is cutting yet another attack ad. Yeah, exactly. He was smoking crack. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, drug addict Brian Haywood is trying to stop drugs. Um, <laughs> I'll do it for them. I'll, I'll record yeah. it for them. Uh, 
so I found that that was it took a long time. Right. But even so, we had an enormous amount of people that were willing still to sign all 11. Right. Hmm. Um, not everybody, but, you know, it was like in the 60, 70 percent of the people would sign all 11. Um, and what it what it suggested to me is that if you had good ideas that are not necessarily partisan by nature, despite the, you know, ultra MAGA uh, garbage that the left is throwing at this, these ideas have high bipartisan support. And if you do that uh, and you start walking it through, people aren't happy with what's going on. So that that was one part of it. The second part was the um, I, I knew that we had to do a paid signature gathers. Right. It just it was so mm-hmm. clear. We just uh, one of the challenges with volunteers is is good intentions and busy lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I'm again, I go back to my religion, like um, my church is all volunteer church. No one is paid, which means sometimes people do things really, really well. And sometimes they don't. Right. And and you don't fire them because they don't. You welcome them and love them. And they're still part of the community. Right. But but failure happens, uh, you know, in in volunteer organizations because I'm a volunteer. Damn it. I don't have to do anything if I don't want to. And and so um, I knew I needed someone whose job it was every day to wake up and go get signatures. Mm-hmm. And so first I started a company uh, to begin gathering signatures. And once we started a company, it, I think that was a sort of a threat to the to the signature gathering industry that's out there that kind of moves from state to state. And they came back and negotiated with us, and we were able to get our price down to a price that hasn't been seen in the state for maybe 10 years, right, per signature. Um, and, and so that was a big part. Once we got uh, some, and these guys are, they know all the rules. They know uh, they're not afraid to go in front of a Walmart. They can go target is the, the rules in the state on gathering signatures appear to be that um, a grocery store is considered a town square if they let anybody uh, do stuff in front of their store. So if the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts are out there, they can't turn away the you know, they can't turn away the the Salvation Army ringers and they can't turn away the. Uh, save the whales group and they can't turn away petition gatherers uh, if they don't allow anybody at all uh, then they can then that their policy is it's not a town square and so they're they don't have to allow right but there's all kinds of misunderstandings and um the the, the guys from out of the the professional signature gatherers have it down to a science right they've got letters in every city they've got photos of walmarts or whatever that that have you know, Boy Scouts selling yeah, popcorn yeah. or whatever in front. Uh, and that wasn't really something that I particularly enjoyed uh, or wanted my people to do. My people uh, are primarily knocking on doors, mm-hmm. going door to door. And and that's actually quite successful as well. So we, we combined the two together and that ramped it up in a in an amazing speed. And then the, the second thing that's happened, so one, that, that just immediately pushed us um, – to the kind of 300,000 level where we needed to be within striking distance, right? And I knew from before that I needed about 100,000 signatures from volunteers. Are you seeing more interest just from the general public? Um, Not necessarily even just from volunteers, but are people seeking you out, it seems, on these uh, these issues? Because 
to me, it seems like the gas tax is, it was no surprise to me that that was the first one that uh, you were able to turn in because that just seems so unpopular and blatant that people are going (laughs) to, people are going to be seeking you out to sign that one. So that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, and I was, I was sort of surprised because it's, it's the, you know, it's cap and trade and, um, but I did a poll back in January before, before the prices had gone up, right? Mm-hmm. I did a poll and looked at the popularity of repealing cap and trade. And it's the only, of all the six that I did, it's the only one that had less than 50% of hard Democrats supporting it. But even so, 35% of hard Democrats still supported repealing cap and trade, which was to me really encouraging. You know, some people might go, oh, it's under 50 if if thirty five percent of hard Democrats want this repealed, uh, you know you've got something. And remember, this was rejected twice by the voters, right? Once in two thousand sixteen, and once in two thousand eighteen. And and the Democrats said, "Well, screw you, voter. Uh, we're going to shove this through anyway." And oh, by the way, it's not going to cost anything. Um, and then and then yeah, pennies like like a big, huge, heavy sack of pennies <laughs> right on your head. Um. When it when it started hitting, it really like people were mad, and I was like right out of the box. That was the one, right? You you kind of if you go out there and do it yourself, you you sort of test things. What what will people listen to? What are they mad about? I thought police pursuit would m- probably be the the most popular, but wasn't even close. Um, the uh, the the cap and trade made people mad because they felt it, and then I think some things have happened as well. The hiding of the information that Puget Sound Energy is increasing your rates by 3%, but they're not allowed to tell the customer that the reason is cap and trade when, you know, that hit the news and people knew it and that that's just dirty, but, but it just made people mad. Like, like it's, it's like this arrogant government that thinks that people are stupid, right? That that's the most, Oh, it's too confusing to put that on the, on the bill. Uh, At the same time, they were giving a rebate to the to the lower income people, and the and the rule was you have to say that this is a rebate yep. from cap and trade, right? Oh, so if you didn't get a rebate, you're too stupid to understand it. If you, uh. yeah. It, so th- th- that's your point, right? It, people are mad at this one. That's right, and yeah, it it is kind of fascinating how how much the Democrats and the legislature and the governor champion these policies but then they're just too afraid to own it and um so you get exactly what you're just describing there so so we've kind of touched on what two of them are and i think you know for the most part i think anyone who's listened to this probably knows what the six are but so one of them is indeed repealing the cap and trade program that is causing gas prices and energy prices and you know, just throughout the throughout the supply chain causing uh products yeah, all prices yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, grocery prices have gone through the roof because yeah. they're all coming in in diesel trucks, right? Right, exactly. So um, there's that one, and then we were just discussing the police pursuit that would restore essentially what, where we were in what 2021. So 21, 21. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, so yeah, what are the what are the other four? So parental notification is another one that we've turned in, yep. and this one, uh, I'm not trying to start a cultural war with this one, right? I was not attacking any particular group. Uh, what I what I was trying to get back into Washington law is the presumption that parents are good people and love their children, right? That's sort of the the idea in a way. Uh, I think the law over the last 20 years, there's this mature minor doctrine that was introduced in the nineties. And 
the presumption of it over time has turned into um, a presumption that parents are abusive with exceptions, right? Rather than parents are good and love their children with exceptions. And I think that latter is the correct way that it should be. And when you, when you, this happened in, in California before I moved here, that, you know, a lot of it was around abortion and letting parents know and that kind of thing. And whenever you would say, well, parents should know if something significant is happening with their child, the response from the left was, yeah, but what about abuse? Yeah. And, and my, my view is, well, man, if there's abuse in the household, get the kid out of the household, right? This shouldn't be something that we legislate and, and just let abusive parents be there. <laughs> you know, if there's, if there's abuse, take, let's address it head on. But it's a ridiculous, and I would, I would dare well, say that also, I, I just want to say real quick, that also assumes we have a shared understanding of what constitutes as abuse. Fair enough. I think is, that's fair you know, enough. That's, that's, that's fair that's... enough. Yeah. But there, there, but I mean, there's still, there's certain, th like, you yeah. know, physical abuse is, is pretty, oh, yeah. Clear, yeah. Right. And, and sexual abuse and, and even the, the sort of mental abuse at some level, people can agree on. I, I take your point. I take your point. Um, but it, it, to make that the basis of policy, to say that yeah. we're going to assume that abuse is the standard in the home and therefore all children must be protected from their parents. Right. That's a, that's a dangerous policy. Yeah. It's, it's these, this, the blanket sweeping legislation that catches so much, you know, so many dolphins when you're trying to catch right, right. The, the tuna yeah, just, right. and to say, well, we have to just deal with those consequences because of these what I would like to assume are um, more rare cases rather than trying to address those rare cases. It's a, let's just presume the worst, but um, yeah. right. Um, so, so parental note, and this is parental notification. It's not parental permission even, right? It's parental notification. It's saying basically parents have a right to know what's going on with their kids they, in school. They need to, they have a right to know what the curriculum is. They have a right to know if there's mental health counseling going on with their child. Um, and I believe this even extends to, we have a, we, in this state, if you take your 14 year old in for a, a bunch of a series of tests at a doctor, the doctor, I had one Hispanic lady at church came up to me and said, you know, she sort of whispered to me because she wanted to tell me that she supported what I was doing. And I took my 14 year old in and they said, well, we're going to give him a series of tests. And when she asked what test, they said, well, we can't tell you. And uh, she said, well, I want to know the results. So oh, we can't tell you that either. And she said, who's going to pay for it? Oh, that'll, that'll be you, right? You know, <laughs> this, this, that's insane. You have to pay. Like, you've got to trust the insurance company that they're billing you for this unknown thing is going to be accurate. That, that's kind of crazy on its face, right? Yeah. Let alone all the parental implications. Income tax and this, uh, no, no income tax. Um, and this one is uh, no income tax in this, by the city, state, or county. And because they played shenanigans with the definition of what an income tax is. Uh, I thought, well, who's a higher source for a definition of income tax than the IRS? Uh, so we went and actually referred to the IRS in the law. If the IRS calls it an income tax, it's an income tax. I don't care what you call it. I don't care what you get the Supreme court to call it. It's a freaking income tax. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just got mocked by the National Review for using the word frickin' because it's a, it's a Mormon swear word. Um, <laughs> so sorry, I'm, I'm going to try to reduce my use of frickin', although I've said it three times already. Um, so, so 
we we wanted to define that in a way that there was no wiggle room, right? That you and there's a lot of cities that are saying, oh, hey, now that they've got a capital gains tax declared an excise tax, well, that's our ticket to go around it. So one is the income tax, and it is shockingly popular. Like you know, I, I'm I'm judging popularity by how easy it is to get the signatures. Uh, this one, I'll tell you, we're turning it in. It'll be one of them that we turn in this this next week. Um, it's already over four hundred twenty thousand signatures. Wow. Um, which is, and, and I mean, it's ahead of it. It was ahead of police pursuit in terms of its uh, popularity. People, this state, uh, people do not want an income tax. Which um, I feel like we've made that clear. What eleven? Not times nine. Now? Not yeah. It, maybe it's eleven. Yeah, I know at least nine times. Maybe it's eleven. Um, thank thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, it keeps the state. Uh, it keeps the state off of the the deep end of of i don't know yeah well financial keeps us from buggery. Being california yeah yeah that's right uh the next one is the a repeal of the cap gains tax um to me they this was a blatant a blatant end run on the constitution and i think the supreme court shamefully uh, they know better there's no way they can read the they, the there's 48 states and the irs that call it a uh, an income tax only washington state calls it a, a uh, excise tax and the the Supreme Court frankly should be ashamed of itself right it, it's like I don't expect them to to rule on everything my way that's not how it works uh, but I don't know if you saw there's a there's a, a study that was done by ballotopedia on the Supreme Court in yes. Washington State like if you've got a liberal cause they're going to rule your way 70 plus percent of the time if you've got a conservative cause it's like 12 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You've got almost no chance. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> like even a 70-30 would be better than your your 80-12 yeah. uh smashing of of ideas. Uh so anyway, that's that's a pushback on that one. And that one actually, it's funny. I think the left really thinks that this is this is this is my ulterior motive. I'm hiding all these other do <laughs> deals so I can get the capital gains in. I've already made a lot of capital gains. And the, the truth is Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Just left the state, right? And Ken Fisher left the state. And anybody, the uber, uber wealthy, where they're really hoping the greed, you know. And I, let's let's talk about who's greedy. The greedy bastards are the ones that keep putting all these taxes in, trying to take other people's money. That's right. Go out and work for it. Um, but they um they they secretly think that I secretly am really uh, after the capital gains tax. People that pay big capital gains can change their location, right? You can make Washington your, your summer home, right? And that's all you do is come here in summer. Uh, and that's the truth. And so then who gets, who gets hosed is everybody, you know, anyone making like $300,000, $350,000 or less, they're the ones that pay the bulk of these taxes. Mm -hmm. And what they did on the, the other thing, I think it's important the capital gains tax to note is that they, they, they did a really smart tactic, right? They said, Oh, it starts at two hundred fifty thousand. So the average person, you won't pay this on your, on your whatever. Uh, and we're going to exclude homes. Okay, that that's smart. We're just going after those rich bastards because they deserve it. But uh, already in session last time, they introduced a bill. It didn't get put to the floor, but they someone wrote a bill and introduced a bill that said uh, lower the the threshold to fifty thousand and double the rate to fourteen percent. I promise you it's coming down to 25 and and at some point they'll take your 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 real estate as well. Um it's just it's a it's a gateway drug. Um 
from yeah. some addicts. And but I mean, you're exactly right that you know the Jeff Bezos of the world and Ken Fisher. I mean, they can afford to move. It's the people that are right around that threshold, and whether that threshold drops like you're predicting and you know that's the thing about progressivism is it doesn't stop it keeps going yeah so, exactly that's but they they, they put in their yeah. name it's gonna get worse <laughs> it's gonna progressively get worse we our name is progressive you should know we're telling you up front that should be the but yeah it, it's those people that you know have started a business here and they can't just yes they can't just hop on their yacht and move to florida it's yep. it's um it's gonna hit those I, people I'm thinking of the Mexican restaurant owner who's busted their butt their whole entire life, taken almost no vacations. They've got a business now that's worth a half a mil or, you know, maybe a million. I don't know. And boom, some of that money that was going to go to college funds for their grandkids now is going to go to the state. Right. Or it's the the Korean uh, immigrant, uh, you know, that's moved to Seattle because and and and. Amazon and Facebook and all Google, all the um, tech that we have here, just at plus a no in, a no capital gains tax, is one of the reasons I think our economy has been as strong as it has when other states have had worse economies. Um, and we're basically saying, "Hey, criminy, Korean immigrant uh, coming here to make money, uh, we don't want you. We're going to penalize you for doing that." Yeah, and then well. This may not be the most exciting one, but go ahead and tell us about the last I one. I think the last this, one is, though, right? This one, uh, this one it's, is, yeah. It, it's the most long-term popular. care opt-out. <laughs> this one's fascinating to me just because, and we want to get into this a, a little bit, but this one was, I think, by the legislators' own admission, flawed from the get-go in the fact yes. that they delayed it. They were planning to try and do a fix. They just were unable to, whether it's incompetence or just lack of really caring, but... Um, yeah, tell us about this one. This one, it, it is a beauty. Um, I, I you're, you're, you've described it exactly right. They tried to get it to pass muster. It was, it couldn't pass fiscal muster. It wouldn't pay for itself. They knew it, and so they did what any good uh, uh, insurance fraud scheme will do, and they tried to increase the number of payees but decrease the number of people that they have to pay out to. And I think the most egregious. Um, thing that they did. And this was by design. This was not incompetence. This was by design. They, you have to pay in for 10 years. Now, within that 10 years, um, you, you can take time off. Uh, but if you take more than five years off in the middle of that 10 years, um, then you have to start back over at zero. So when you do the math and you go, let's see, is it men or is it moms who take some time off in the middle of their career to go do something like raise children. It's not men, right? I, I know, I know you guys figured that out. I can see you guys figured be that out before I said that. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was designed to screw moms over, right? And they, there's no way it's accidental. Uh, they, they designed this so that any woman that takes off, you know, you're 21 years old, you pay into it for nine years. When you're 30, you decide to have a start a family. So you take five years off and, and uh, you know, five or six years off and you come back you're back at year zero, even though you've paid into it for nine years. Well, the, um, the good that, news is the benefits are horrible anyway, so you're not really yeah, yeah, miss, right. missing that's out right. on anything anyway. Because yeah, right. you have a $35,000, $36,000 yeah. And well, my, my father just yeah. passed away this last uh, January and was in a, in a home for a little bit. Um, that's two and a half, three months most, yeah. right? Yeah, so um, I wouldn't describe that as long-term care. No, no, no. 
uh, and in fact, the, here, there's some other ironies in it. Um, the uh, if you if you take like five years off to take care of Mima, right? You know, um, two things. One is you have to join the union, and that's a sneaky thing in this, right? This is a huge sop to the unions. Uh, but so you have to join the union. But then if you take five years off, you have to start back over on your ten year track, right? Um, so so the irony of that, um. I, I, this, I, I think if I designed this product and sold it in the Washington state market, I'm a hundred percent positive that, that Bob Ferguson, attorney general, Bob Ferguson would come after me for insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Hey, that's uh, do as we say, not as we do. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good for me. Not for, not for the, well, and um, you know, we, we have a, we have a few uh, Democrat friends who listen to this and we, uh, we love them, but I, I do want to highlight some of what the state party has already come out um, and said. You know, I, I don't know if you call it Twitter or X these days, but um, I think a week or so ago, they had tweeted out um, so a, a call to action, you could say, to uh, their followers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, of course, it says defeat the MAGA GOP's extreme ballot initiatives. But first off, I don't think anything that we've discussed is I would qualify as extreme. Um, they may not like it. They may disagree. They may like cap and trade, um, which is fine. But to say we want to revert to, um, you know, two years ago from police pursuit, uh, nine months ago before we had cap and trade, um, a lot of these are just scaling back or eliminating tactics that or bills that were passed in the last legislative session or two. So to say we want to to, to, so to call them extreme is to say we are extreme to want to go back to like democratic control in 2021. So I, <laughs> right, I find right, that right, right. I find that fascinating. <laughs> but um, I but I understand the the gamesmanship there. But um, so w one of the things it says to do on here is to call a hotline to report signature collectors, and they give a hotline. And um, so my question is. How is that manifested? Like, are you seeing the signature yeah. gathers? Yeah, we saw. So there's two things that happened. Um, they started showing up right as soon as as soon as we turned our first one in. Um, this thing, the fuse sent it out first. It, the, from what I can tell, the progression was something like this. Fuse sent it out. And then uh, SCIU 775 sent it out. And then uh, the ACLU sent it out, which is incredible to me that the civil liberties union wants you to snitch on people exercising their civil liberties. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. that one just gives me no end of mirth. Um, and then, and then the Democrat party sent it out. Right. And we just sent out, actually, we just sent out a cease and desist letter to them um, because what was happening. And, and if you look in today's Seattle times, I think Shasti Conrad is, uh, is on there saying, uh, maybe, Maybe asking for a personal description of the person might have gone too far. You think? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you think. Uh, but what what they did is they showed up and we they were it was fast like immediately like the next day these people came up and they were paid right and some of them would just like sort of stand really close and they were monitoring or whatever and that's you know just just sort of weird creepy behavior. Uh, some of them would come and. Uh, make a big noise, right? And they would try to get the store manager to come out and kick them both both off. Um, and some would sort of, it, it doesn't take a lot. If you're going into shop at a store 
and there's a signature gathering place. You're already sort of like, ah, I don't know if I want to stop because I don't know if I even agree with them and I don't want to get caught in a trap. There's already this enormous hurdle, right, to get someone to sign a, an initiative. So if I can make any kind of fuss at all, you're not going to look. You're going to go right past and right in. So it doesn't take a whole lot to intimidate. And, and they were doing some of that. Uh, and what they would do is they would pick on the, the sort of the weakest they, they were like wolves. They could tell which lamb was the weakest, right? And they would go target. There was, there was one guy in particular they targeted multiple times. They'd target him and chase him off into the, you know, and he, he'd run away because he didn't want to, he, he was afraid. And so the boss would come and um, then the, you know, the, the intimidators would not come back until the boss was gone and the guy was back, right? They were really watching. Um, but then what was it? So, and that, that certainly had an, you know, it has an impact. What what was probably more, uh, in my mind, um, sneaky, or is that the same people had flyers, so they'd go and they'd try to try to scare them off. But then they they would get the signature gather and they would hand them a flyer that said, "If you go to Florida until December twenty eighth, you know, here's three to four thousand dollars." Wow! Right, and um, <laughs> so people, you know, if if this is your living and you can go to Florida for in the middle of a, of a, of a, it's a smart tactic, yeah, right? I, I give them kudos for doing, props but, for that, but, I, yeah. Yeah, but it's a dirty tactic, uh, a, a Washington winter or $4,000 and a trip to Florida, right? They were getting plane tics, tickets as well. Um, that, so, and that happened and there's people that went, right? And it, it looks like it's, it's, uh, we're, I, I want to know where that money came from, right? I mean, I'd like to know who's paying people to fly to Florida. And and are they properly reporting it on their oh, PDC I'm, I'm sure report, right? There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'd say this behavior is a pretty strong advertisement of the strength of all of these initiatives. Because uh, at no point have I heard you say that they <laughs> conducted a you know well reasoned uh, retort to why we shouldn't no, be. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, and and so um, yeah, I, it's one thing to have given up on the facts because folks can see that their gas is higher. We'll say. Uh, it's another thing to give up on the argument altogether. Um, and and so, I, you know, I, I also wanted to ask about this because this has actually led to a bill that was pre-filed recently by, I think it was uh, Senators Padden and Wilson, um, which would uh, provide a, a roughly 25-foot buffer, buffer, buffer zone. zone. Yeah. yeah I'm happy to have that increase. But was that something that that you had worked with those those two I on? Didn't, or, no, no, okay. that, that was spontaneous on their part. I know that... Um, Brandy Cruz uh, has made this a big deal because she yeah. uh, she sort of stepped into the water uh, on the fifty five ninety nine uh, issue right last summer, and they were getting physical threats and people you know screaming at them and and it's a gross misdemeanor in this state first of all to interfere. I, I and and let me be really clear, I respect the First Amendment enormously. I think that they have every right to say. Hey, don't vote for these. They're bad for the state. They're bad for you. Don't vote. Okay, that's fine. They, they can be wrong and they still have their first amendment, right? Um, when they start intimidating, that, that's going over the line. And so I think, I think Brandy was pushing this quite a bit. And when this made the news, uh, these I, I haven't talked to them, either of the gentlemen uh, directly. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the support. I don't know if 25 feet's uh, uh, far enough, right? I think no. I, if you can't, if you like if someone did this, for, if there was actually, um, you know, there was some some Republicans that were putting signs up around uh, voting booths or, or a turn in, not voting, but the turn in spots. 
that said, we're watching you, right? And that was, you would thought the sky had fallen from the reaction from the left and from the Secretary of State, right? Um, so, okay, fair enough. If that's, if we feel that way about a voting uh, spot uh, and we have a similar protection for for collecting signatures, shouldn't there be something that says, you know, you can't, you can't intimidate, make your case, go state it somewhere. Right. But you can't, you shouldn't. I don't know. And, and the other thing about it, I, I guess is this isn't like by intimidate, this is, we're just trying to give people a vote. If your idea is so strong, then you don't have anything to worry about. Right. Cause nobody will vote for me. They'll won't vote for the ideas. Uh, so what, why, why do you care? Let's put it on the ballot and let's see. That's right, because I, you know, you've you faced a lot of criticism because you're the face of this project, and you're you funded uh, the vast majority of it, but you're not paying people to sign. You're no, no. People still have to sign because they want yeah. to, and um, right. so the the text of what it what each of these initiatives does is what it ultimately is going to convince people to do it. And I I just find it a little you know rich that the the party that claims to stand for. <laughs> democracy and accuses the Republican party of often being a threat to democracy itself, admittedly, yeah. sometimes deservedly so, but you know, here we are seeing them pretty much openly plotting for the harassment of signature gatherers and, you know, trying to prevent this process from happening, you know, they're trying to, to bribe uh, signature gatherers to, to leave. Um, but ultimately if they were standing or if they felt the, their, their arguments, were strong enough, they would be uh, having the debate about the ideas themselves and not just trying to, to subvert it. But um, yeah, and I did, I did want to touch on some of this because I was reading this thread from the Washington Democrats, and it was uh, annoying me and then also just uh, somewhat delighting me just with how predictable <laughs> and it, it's almost a work of art with how uh, they're approaching each of these because um, already they have uh, developed their narratives, which I probably could have written them myself, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like the first one, Initiative 2109, which is the uh, repeal of the capital gains tax. They are saying that uh, this one ensures the wealthy don't pay their share and it harms Washington students by defunding early learning and education. I don't know like what I would do or give to not ever have to hear the fair share argument again, because right, right, right. I, um, the math is out there. It's been done that the wealthy and the middle class, they're the ones that pay the taxes. So uh, that one just drives me nuts to, to no end. But um, as far as defunding learning and education, so is this a, because um, I, I hadn't gone back to actually read the specifics of the capital gains tax. Are they, did they design that tax to specifically try and, say that the, these dollars go towards education some okay some or is it just part some. of the big pool and you know hey anything no, well, some, is... and i don't that's a good question so it's some of it is supposed to go to this it's in the in the original bill and and of course that's a great tactic right this is for the children yeah, right? right we're gonna we're gonna save kittens and you you hate puppies right? right um so it was designed that way and and they tried it in california as well to try but especially um where they try to get it to fund it's not going to schools it's going to preschool uh education kind of stuff right yeah um, and they, they make it sound noble. What I don't know, and, and honestly, I, I don't know this, but, but based on track record, I suspect that there's no lock on how much money goes there, uh, just enough to say you're doing it and then you can spend it wherever you want. Right. 
Um, yeah. So much came in, they, they weren't expecting it. That's right. Well, uh, and the, they, the state's awash in cash from this and cap and trade and, and all this stuff. And you can say, well, but that money goes towards this specific program. But, you know, it's a dollar here, a dollar there. If you're, if you're funding something from one pool of resources, then that's another dollar that you have to spend available yep. to spend somewhere else. So, I, right. yeah, I, to, to try and link those two is obviously a tactic. But um, I, I hope people don't fall for that one. But then what, what they're I, counting on, too, I don't know if you were, there was uh, about two years ago, I uh, I wor- I helped fund uh, um, an initial effort to try to get rid of the cap and tr- uh, the capital gains. And they created, you can see this really horrible picture. It's not a mullet, but it looks like a mullet picture of me <laughs> on the wall of shame. Uh, Nick Hanauer and uh, his, uh, you know, here, here's a billionaire uh, persecuting a millionaire. Um, uh, funded this wall of shame. So me and several other people that put money into the repealing the capital gains, uh, that was their, their attempt was to make people with money afraid to say anything because they would get shamed. And I think you have to lean into it, right? I mean, otherwise they'll just eat you up for breakfast. Yeah. And I don't want to run through all their arguments here right now, just because I think <laughs> that could take another hour just to dunk on these. Just but, to go, yeah. but I do want to uh, highlight my, my personal favorite here is for the 2117, which is the repealing of the carbon cap, cap and trade. And it says this would end Washington's program that helps fund clean energy to fight against climate change by making polluters pay. I don't think that's going to resonate because the people that are paying the gas tax, they're essentially calling them the polluters, even though I I understand what they're trying to say is they're, hey, this we're just going after big oil's money. But um, when people are at the pump and paying 50 cents more a gallon, um, they're the ones paying. And so... Basically, in a way, they're calling the voters the polluters, and so we need the commuters. To make that yeah, way. yeah. But none of the tactics here or the the arguments here are really um, um, surprising. You know, they're the one about police pursuit. They're saying it's repealing best practices uh, for dangerous high speed chases. I don't know under whose definition they're those are best practices. I think for the folks running away, those would yeah, be best exactly. <laughs> it is. Exactly. Yeah, it is. So. Um, so obviously, each of these that gather enough signatures, they will go to the legislature. There's a three paths that each of these initiatives can take. The legislature can essentially accept the initiative and choose to pass it into law. Um, they could ignore it and allow the voters to decide the fate in November, um, or they could forward it to voters along with an alternative, essentially a competing proposal. So Correct. what do you, what is Let's Go Washington's plan during the legislative session? Will you be lobbying in any fashion or are you more setting your sights on November? Yeah. And actually, if I could just, so kind of to that, what what would you like to happen and what do you expect to actually happen? Uh, what I'd like to have happen is have them adopt all, all six. Right. Right? Well, okay. I mean, fair enough. All right. Fair um, enough. That was a poor question. Skipping <laughs> I could, that. I, could that one. I mean, some yeah, people yeah. say, well, wouldn't it be better if you put it on the ballot and, and, and certainly on the ballot. It, in fact, this is, um, if I were putting on a strategic hat, my strategery hat, and was going to help the Democrats, uh, which I'm not trying to do, uh, I would pass as many of them as I could because I would take them off the ballot next year, right? Yeah. I think these ultimately mm-hmm. help. Uh, they help not, to, and I don't think it just helps uh, Republican turnout. I think it helps moderate Democrats, and it helps them see, well, wait a minute, this idea is not crazy, right? Um, 
so I think it, it turns out people that are open to these kind of ideas, and that's not a good thing uh, if you're running a progressive campaign. That's, that's right. And then, I mean, also the, the money that they're going to have to pour into trying to defeat these initiatives that could be going to um, right, you know, right, statewide right, offices right. or down, down ballot races. Yeah. So, yeah, it, this is going to suck up a lot of the auction in the room. So, yeah. The stranger did an article. They they love me. Uh, it, I, that's what I'm taking. The amount of ink they shared about it was just I'm taking as a sign of love. Um, and that was their point at the end is that this is going to cost a lot of money to fight, right? That that's that would normally go to candidates. So, um, so from a re, a Republican strategist would want them all on the bat on the ballot. Uh, I'd like to see them all pass because I think they're all yeah. things that need to happen now, not not a year from now. Um, in particular, I would say police pursuit is one that has a safety consequence yeah. to it that you know should happen now um i uh certainly i will be active and and we will be trying to uh, make noise uh I, there's the the washington constitution states that there is no priority other than budget that is higher for the legislature than a, a initiative to the legislature so they're supposed to prioritize these. And if they don't, which I think is probably the more likely case, uh, if they don't, I, I want to highlight that they're abdicating their duty, which is to look at these things. They may just put them off. This is supposed to be their highest priority. And there's not just one, there's six that, that are going to be there. And then the second thing is that um, case law and uh, uh, precedent in Washington state suggests that they're not able to tinker with the laws that are on the table with the with the initiatives and the democrats know this they know it and they're just trying to figure out how far and what could they get away with i mean jansley has said that he's going to get a law that links up the cap and trade with vancouver and with california um uh sure go ahead but that needs to be initiative on the ballot right and they can only choose one they don't get like six um they well they get six but one each right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's the that's the deal and so so I think part of what they're going to have to do in session is make a hard decision. Do we do something to counter this? Um, do we have a better proposal, right, that would go on the ballot or do we ignore it? Um, if they ignore it, um, I'd like to point out that they're not filling their fiduciary or their uh, constitutional duty. Uh, and if they put something else, then then the voters will have a choice, right? Um, so we'll we'll... During session, I think that'll be the highlight of the message. And then mm -hmm. from there, we'll really be talking about the details. And I can see, our, like, what's their message? It's Here's their message. Uh, their, their message was going to be abortion, Trump, abortion, Trump, right. abortion, Trump, abortion, Trump, right? right. But now it's going to be abortion, Trump, Haywood's a rich bastard, abortion, Trump, Haywood's a rich bastard, right? Uh, he's trying to buy this. Um, oh, and he hates the environment. He hates the world. Uh, he just wants us to go back to a polluter's world. Jay Inslee's already saying that. You you're not gonna make this state dirty again. That's, <laughs> how's, he, that's, how's he doing on all of his climate goals with us? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, and oh, and remind me again why you fired that guy that was working for your administration that told you this was going to be fifty cents a gallon. Why why did you fire him again? Yeah, um, explain that to me. Uh, and the other thing is, like, uh, I I think one there's some vulnerabilities for this administration. Um, in his latest in that press conference where he. You know, he put the his child shield barrier up there yeah. in front of the press. Um, he promised uh, two hundred dollars for seven hundred fifty thousand families, right, to offset their heating increase cost. So, number one, he's admitting that your heating <laughs> bills are going up because of cap and trade. 
Like he's just admitting it right there. But but then it's like that older brother that goes, "Hey, I have this shiny nickel that's big that I'll give you in exchange for that little tiny dime." Right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's right. playing that sort of uh, that sort of game with them. And and I'll, I'll tell you the other thing I'm going to be calling for, and I would encourage all Washingtonians to join me in a good governance call. Uh, I would ask Governor Inslee to pledge and and his administration that he and his administration will not take a job with or profit from an investment in any company that they put cap and trade money into. I think it's unconscionable if they do, and it's dirty. At the very least, uh, it would be dirty, right? Um, you're you're funding your retirement uh, job with state payers, taxpayers' money. And I think there should be a loud call that Governor Inslee pledge publicly not to go either profit from or, I mean, if he believes in the environment so much that this is his almost his religious calling, then his religious calling also should be to not go be a paid priest for yeah. uh, for one of these these uh, organizations. I hadn't not even, that I have an opinion. Yeah, well, I hadn't even thought about that. But I, yeah, that obviously seems like something that should be addressed and seems reasonable. Um Another quick question for you. You know, we we touched on the Supreme Court and how they are apt to do whatever they want. But, um, you know, the last initiative to pass was I-976 back in 2019, which was the CARTAB, um, CARTAB initiative. So that was later struck down as unconstitutional. So I'm wondering to what extent you've had an army of constitutional lawyers help you draft these to where there aren't vulnerabilities. And, you know, granted, the Supreme Court can can find Do whatever it wants. whatever they want yeah. but um yeah ha- have you had those any sort of a uh, battle tested to yeah so we did two things number one is we had they were actually drafted by a legislator uh legislator in his you know in his in his non-legislative capacity he drafted some uh and then put them on and we we chose uh he drafted a bunch of them and we sort of chose from them and then and then we put them in front of lawyers to review and see if there was any issues and in particular, uh, the capital gains and the income tax was one that we had to work with because um, the, there was a question of whether the striking the income tax down uh, would, in effect, take the capital gains tax down, right? And there's a legal theory that it would, but because of the, you know, if you, if you don't say explicitly that that's what you're doing, mm-hmm. the, it, would, it could give the Supreme Court room to, to play shenanigans. Um, and so that's why we ran two initiatives, one with the capital gains and one with the income tax to make it explicitly clear uh, that, that both an income tax and a capital gains were being rejected. So we did, we did run it through the lawyer. I, I spent some time and money uh, listening to lawyers and being frustrated that, <laughs> that we had to jump through some stupid hurdles. But yeah, was, was there any thought that that kind of concedes the idea that capital gains isn't income yeah i was concerned about that um but it's it's the bigger issue is not is not that issue the bigger issue is the two subjects and the you know is it clear to the voters and the what the supreme court has done in the past is they've tried to play this game that um oh this wasn't clear to the voters they didn't know what they were voting for right the the secretary or the the attorney general writes the, the confusing ballot title. And if they don't understand it because he wrote a, a ballot title, I don't get to choose the ballot title, right? The attorney general writes it. Um, so then to say, oh, the voters didn't understand. Wait a minute. Why is that? Why is that something strikes it down? So 
uh, we tried to get as as many sub- submitted as we could so we could get a decent ballot title that was understandable. And and then the other thing that we're watching very closely is um, there's been some cases where some conservative law groups have gone after two subject issues on the other side that the Supreme Court has up, upheld the two. Su- oh, no, no, it's fine. Uh, the two subject rule doesn't apply here. And I think there's some fodder that we'll also use to fight back should they. And I don't think these should all pass muster. But if they decide to play games, I think there's fodder to fight back with because the you can't have it both ways. You can't say when a when a liberal does it, it's it's one subject. But when a conservative does it and these aren't necessarily conservative issues, as a, as we've said mm-hmm. before. Right. Well, um, yeah, Brian, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you outlining what each of these initiatives do and um, what the next steps will be. Um, people can go to letsgowa.com. There you can read more about the initiatives themselves. Uh, you can you can donate to Let's Go Washington. You know, again, this this can be expensive yes. to, uh, <laughs> it's, to withstand. It's drained, <laughs> it's drained my liquid cash. So. Uh, yeah, you're going to be doing less Christmas shopping today than you otherwise could have. So, uh, But yeah, it, you know, there's going to be a barrage of uh, misconstruing and misdirection as far as what these initiatives actually do. We went through a, a, just a couple of them. Um, and so that's bound to take place, and we can't uh, expect Brian to do it alone. But also, if you haven't signed the initiatives already, uh, getting down to the wire, you can go to letsgowa.com and find locations where you can sign these petition or excuse me initiatives. And um, there's uh, several in the Tri Cities, many throughout the Tri Cities and Yakima, and the rest of the Columbia Basin. You can go to uh, you can follow Let's Go Washington on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, anything else that we should share with people. Yeah, the, the final thing, one of the big challenges with uh, gathering signatures is that uh, good intentioned people go out and gather signatures and then put them on their table and then forget yep. about them until January 8th, right? Yep. And then it's like nine days too late. Uh, so if anybody has any, uh, I don't care whether the whole thing's filled out or not, turn them in now, turn them in now, turn them in now. That's sort of our message. Turn anything you've got, turn it in now. Um, and uh, if you need another one, you can get another one, but turn anything you've got in now. If I didn't mention it, turn it in now. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Brian. Um, I just want to say, uh, you know, you're you're doing a, a, a huge task here. When again, we touched yeah. on how you uh, you could be doing things more enjoyable <laughs> with your your time in life. Even though you know, I understand having an interest in politics and want to make change as well, but part of me thinks about you know being at a sporting event or something like that instead of of this. But. Uh, Really appreciate your time and uh, hope you uh, wish you success in all this and hope to have you back to discuss it more in 2024. I would enjoy it. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Good luck.